0: Hey, welcome to Grace Online. So glad you could take time to join us. Um, If you're new to our gathering, if you're new to this community, um, the first Sunday of every month, we take some time uh, where we share the Lord's Supper, which is where we take uh, bread and juice and we're reminded of what Jesus has done for us. So I'd like to share that with you by the end of the service. If you haven't already, even if you're by yourself, grab some some pita bread or bread and some juice. And by the end of this service, you and I will have the opportunity to share that together and continue in the tradition that has become a really good tradition in our church. Uh, this week, I'd like to share a message with you uh, regarding just us losing our breath. In other words, the question I have for you, are, are you unable to catch your breath in this season? There's a lot of things I think that could affect that. Um, our routines have been changed. The routine that we're used to is out of whack based on this current pandemic. Um, the rhythm of our life then has been uprooted based on the routine of life also being impacted the family rhythm that we have of you know uh, we get together we spend time with our family we go to work for many of us and then you come back and then you have really good family time has been also interrupted and disrupted now and now you feel like there's no separation between the workplace and your family and so that's difficult and one of the reasons i want to recognize that's difficult and maybe and this season is making it very difficult for you to catch your breath is, you know, when you have that separation, your home is a respite. It's the place of, you just come home and you rest, and you're able to catch your breath, to, to, to get things back to a good place. And right now that's been disrupted. You know, what's hard for Susan and I in this season is, I'm working harder than I've ever worked to try to get digital content out and um, help our church stay connected through this pandemic so that when we get back together in person, it'll be even better. But, but with that, the, the problem that we're facing is she's been shut down with her shop. And with that happening, what we're realizing is, is, you know, it's even more difficult. I don't know if you have that situation where one person is still working, you know, you're an essential employee, and the other one, you're not allowed to work. And that, that makes it even harder because I'm watching her want to get back into the rhythm and how frustrating that is. But I'm also incredibly proud of her because she keeps telling me she's having to deepen her spiritual walk more than ever in this season. And the reason she's having to do that is it's the only way that she can stay connected to the spirit of God, the breath of God, and and maintain her sanity. And the same is true of me. Even though I'm trying to stay busy, there's moments I just need to set that aside and just focus on being with God. And that's really what I want to talk about. Um, Here's the reality, and I hope you understand this. Most people intuitively understand this. There is a gracious, loving creator. And if you read the book of Genesis, one of the first things that we're told in the Bible is he breathed into mankind, into man, and he became a living soul. So the reality is is that God has breathed you and I, breathed the original man into existence. And there's something about receiving at the appropriate time the breath of God, which can radically change our ability to catch our breath. We think it's more sometimes about the uh, the calendar, or we think it's about uh, the chaos of our life or the lack of finance in our life, but, but nothing could be further from the truth. The real reason that you and I can't catch our breath is we just are not allowing the breath of God to come into us and quicken us back to where we need to be. So this began in Genesis 2-7, when, again, when God created everything and the uniqueness of, of mankind, he created man, and he, he breathed in his nostrils, and he became a living soul. You see this concept throughout Scripture. You see in the Gospel of John when Jesus shows up, and he looks to the apostles, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it changes their entire perspective. You see this not only in the area of the spiritual realm, but also in the, just in the physical realm. When you and I are born, one of the first things that we've got to do is take that first breath. In fact, they'll tickle your feet or give you a little on the bottom, you know, and when they do that, you breathe, you cry, and that first air you take in is breathing in life. You see this symbolically in baptism. When someone is baptized, we say, you know, buried with Christ in baptism, the old person and they go under the water, and then they come up, and the first thing they do is they draw into their lungs that first breath. They're raised to walk in new life, which baptism is that symbol of what needs to take place spiritually based on what Jesus has done. And I want to remind you, he continues to breathe into his people based on his breath. And the biggest way to see him breathe into us in this season, the most primary way is through his word. So if you got a Bible, open it up to 2 Timothy Three, we're going to look at just two verses, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. I'll be reading out of the NIV. All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. Would you underline in your Bible scripture and God-breathed? If, if you're using a different translation, it'll be inspired. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So so here's the reality, and also underline or or, um, circle equipped. These are the three areas I'd like to camp on. I'd like to talk about this. At the very beginning, our Creator breathed into us, and He had such beautiful authority as He breathed into our lives what we needed. And He wants to do that Again, one of the things in this season that's a little bit alarming to me, something that's it's, it's bothering me, is um, many times man will take the Bible, and what they will do is they'll take their intellect and their education and certain contextual tools, and they'll place that over Scripture, and from that they'll bring you and I questions regarding the Bible that are I think questions we should ask, but they come from the perspective of my intellect is superior. Than what's been breathed literally into the living word of God. And, and that is something that's bothered me lately. And I've seen it in, in multiple places, through multiple pastors, through multiple situations. And maybe you've been exposed to it. And the reason I think it's so important is I think the reason you and I can't catch our breath spiritually and emotionally is we need to relearn that, you know, we don't put ourselves over scripture. We, we take scripture and we, we place it over us. It's higher than our intellect, it's higher than our emotions, it's higher than our situation. And I think because of that, it's really uh, something that we need to address in our church, in our culture today. Uh, The way I would describe this is, uh, you know, before I turned 25, I don't know if you've experienced this, um, I argued with my parents a lot. And the reality was, I thought I knew more than my parents, I thought my parents were out of touch, my parents were morons, you know. And then what's funny is, is then I got out of the house and began to live a little bit of life. And um, all of a sudden, right about the age of 25, my parents didn't look quite as dumb or stupid as I thought they were. Um, the experiences of life, as I began to live them and begin to gain wisdom from that, I began to see, oh gosh, you know, mom and dad had a lot to share with me that is relevant and still comes back even today. And I'm like, Wow. What had happened there was there was a change in humility in me as a young man. And it began to make me look at their wisdom and maybe place it above my wisdom because they had greater experience and they had greater knowledge and they lived a longer amount of time. Well, that's exactly what we're looking at when we look at who God is. God created us. He breathed into us. The reality is is that He breathes into the Scripture and His breath within the Scriptures is for our living everything we need for great living is right here so what i'd like to ask you and i to think about is are there areas of defiance of areas where we're not completely obedient when it comes to what we've read in god's word or maybe our thinking is not completely obedient or aligned and so as we look at that i'd like to help you and i both move from defiance to being determined to live for god to allow his breath to breathe into us And as he breathes in, I believe that we will not only catch our breath, but we'll be able to live with greater joy and greater fullness. So the first thing you need to breathe in is his spirit. The first thing you need to breathe in and I need to breathe in is his spirit. Look at that again. All scripture is God breathe. Now, if you're using uh, the King James Version or using the New American or even the New Living, I believe they use the word inspired here. And there's nothing wrong with uh, the, the difference here, but I think it loses something from the original word. In fact, the original word that's here, Paul takes, and he actually t- puts two words together that have never been put together before. It's like a compounded word, a hyphenated word. He goes, he goes. I'm going to take this word and this word. He takes the word for God, theos, and then he takes the word for breath, right? And he, and, and he puts those two words together. He puts them together. God Breathe. It's the only place, you know, whenever you see only in Scripture, it's important. It's the only place in all of Scripture, in all the Bible, that you see this particular compounded word. And because it's that way, sometimes translators are not sure what's the best way to render this in English for people to best understand. But I think the best way to understand it is to look at those two compounded words. God breathe All Scripture. God breathe. So again, the moment you've taken your first breath, you breathe in life. Well, the moment you become a Christian, you surrender what you thought about life and the way that you should live life and how you understand sin, how you understand the forgiveness of sin. You surrender all of that to what God's plan is in Scripture. The reason this is important is not only do we look at this idea of breath, being so connected to the spiritual reality, but you see it from the beginning of Genesis. We talked about Genesis God breathing into the nostrils of man, he became a living soul. But you know, when man fell 10 verses later in Genesis two seventeen, 17, um, when God's describing what would bring about his death, he says, you can eat from everything, but don't eat from this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, the day that you do, surely you will die. Did you know that in the original language, in the original Hebrew, there's another way to render God's word. In fact, what, he, what, we, what we can translate there for English to help us understand is this. In the biblical text, it actually says, dying you shall die. Dying you shall die, which means there's a double death. And I think, and most scholars think that when you look at this and you put those two together, what you're really seeing is, is there's a physical death and there's a spiritual death. So so the reality is, is, you know, you can be alive, you can have that first breath, but you may never have received God's his spiritual breath. There's a lot of people I believe out there right now, uh, even pastors, even scholars that come to the Bible and have great intellect and great ways of wrestling with it, that they have received life, the life that God gives at birth to that first breath, but they never truly received the deeper breath of God, the breath that quickens the soul and changes the mind, and changes the heart. There's this transformation. My wife and I, as we discuss this, there's so many ways to, to tackle this topic. You know, I can tackle it completely from an intellectual place and talk to you about um, why the Bible's true, why it can be trusted, why it's the most unique collection of books ever put together in, in the entire anthology of, of all books. I mean, it's just amazing. And and I can totally win you from an intellectual argument, but, but my wife is one simply from the spiritual argument. She is able to say, I believe. Why do you believe? Because I believe. How is that true for her? Because she and her soul has been quickened by the Holy Spirit because she's received that life, that breath of God. And I know a lot of people that have never done that. And so my question to you is, Has your mind been transformed? Has your heart been radically changed? Do you look to people differently? Do you look to God differently? Or are you still wrestling with just your mind, your intellect? Because if you're only wrestling with your mind, if you're only wrestling with your intellect, you're missing out on so much that God has for you. And it's the reason why you find you're always exhausted and always searching and never landing to the place where you have true rest, where you catch Your breath. The reason that is, is because you've never received the gospel, the good news. I'm going to explain it in a very simple way, but I think this is where we start because it's how you receive his spirit, the breath of his spirit. The first thing is, is you have to admit you're a sinner. A lot of people don't even like that word today, but here's the reality. We must admit that we sin. We fall short of God's glorious ideal for our life. He had a plan when he created you. I love the psalmist says, you were fearfully knit together in your mother's womb. Before a day that you lived was even lived, God had put them all together. He knew everything that would happen. And you need to understand that he had a perfect intention for your life, a perfect plan for you to have the greatest joy and also bring the greatest glory to him, both. But you and I, through our sin, through our rebellion, live our way. We think our way. We think our thoughts. We love the way we want to love. And there's this moment where you admit that that's called sin. And it takes all kinds of different forms. And it's sin that's been done to you. And it's sin that you've done to others. But the reality is, you must admit your sin. I can spend hours just admitting to you the different areas I've fallen short in the way that I've tried to love my wife, my kids, my family, my friends, how I've worked for previous employers. You know, and I I didn't even care before I became a Christian. I was just out to make my life better. You have to start there and admit that that's sin, and it has separated you from God, and it has separated you from the people closest to you. Then after you've admitted that, you need to believe on something. We all believe on something. But to become a Christian and receive the breath of God, you must believe on what Christ has done for you. You see, God knew that we would never measure up to the law. He knew we would never measure up to his standard. So instead, he sent Christ to measure up on our behalf. For three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, or 33 and a half years of his life, he lived a perfect life without sin in thought or deed. And then, because he was the perfect living human being, because he was God in the flesh, he allowed himself to be sacrificed. Because the Bible is clear without the shedding of blood, there's no removal, remission, or covering over a sin. And so, Jesus knew this, and it broke his heart to know that our relationship with the Father was broken. And so, he died for you and I when he went to the cross. When he was crucified, he allowed himself to be crucified. And by doing so, he offered up the perfect sacrifice to God to appease, to cover over the sin of all humanity. He did this for everyone. And the reality is, is that when you believe, you put all of your hope and your trust on him. You're banking on nothing else. There's no plan B I'm accepted by God simply because Christ died for my sins. And he died and he rose again three days later because the grave could not hold him. And then once you believe that, you commit your life to him. And as you commit all of you to him, you receive all of him. And this is where the Spirit of God comes flooding into your life and to mine. He breathes into us and he quickens us, and we again become a living soul. You see, he completes the problem of Genesis. In Genesis, we died, died, but with Christ, we live, live. We received a physical death, and we received a spiritual death. Now we receive a spiritual life, and one day, a physical life On and on. You will never die. Even though you might die in this world, you will be alive with Christ and you will even be resurrected one day with your body to spend eternity with him. It's an amazing reality, but this is the two bookends in my mind of the greatest news ever told. In Genesis through Adam, we died, died. And through Christ, we live, live. Have you done that? Have you admitted, believed, and committed your life? So I want to pause here because I want to do that with you before we go to step two because you need to receive his breath. If you have sensed that God is saying, this is a moment you need to recommit or you need to commit your life to him, would you please take time to do that? Would you pray with me right now to renew that relationship so you can have the breath of God or to begin the relationship? Let's do that together. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for everyone listening by video. Lord, your good news is so good. It is so much better than anything in this world because all we see around us is death and death. And that's because of sin, God. Sin permeates every layer of creation, including me and including you. God, we corporately admit our sin before you. We have sinned in thought and in deed. We've sinned against you and we've sinned against humanity, even those closest to us, God, we've wronged them for our own selfish interests at times. But God, you knew this was in our very nature in the fall when we experienced both deaths, physical and spiritual. And you didn't want to leave us this way, so you sent Jesus to receive the penalty that we deserved. And God, he died the death that we should have, that we might have the life that he now has. Yeah, we put all of our hope and all of our trust in Christ alone. Thank you for him dying for me. Yeah, we thank you corporately for him dying for us. And God, the best we know how we commit our lives to you, we surrender them to you, we move in a direction that says whatever you want for our lives, we receive as the best. And we set aside the things that we used to think were the best because we know you have the very best and good for our lives. So we commit to what you want for us, even when it doesn't make sense. And God, I pray that you would fill us now again, fresh and new with your Holy Spirit. Breathe in us and allow our bodies to be quickened so we might live for you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, take some time to fill out a Connect card. You'll find that in the chat area or in the comments area. There's all kinds of different places you'll find that. It's not hard to find. Fill that out, please. Tell me if you prayed to recommit. Tell me if you prayed for the first time. I wanna get some resources to you so you can be successful in your faith journey. So the first thing that you and I need to do, no doubt about it, is we need to receive his breath, okay? First thing we need to do is breathe in his spirit. The second thing we need to breathe in is instruction instead of corruption. So is, from the moment that you actually become a Christian, <clears throat> from the moment you say yes, instruction is what you need, but corruption comes in right away. That Satan would love for nothing more than to say, okay, it's great you got your get out of hell free card, but you know what? You can still live. You can still do things this way. You can still live the way you've always lived, but the reality is, is, you and I need to get rid of that corruption, that corrupted nature. We need to shed it day by day, moment by moment, because Christ has purchased us a new life through the instruction that he gives. And what's needed here is the humility factor. I recently started hunting um, turkeys. You all know I do deer hunting. I've hunted other things as well. I've been a hunter growing up. And uh, the reality is, is I'm a horrible turkey hunter. First day I went out, I probably should have had a turkey. It was uh, last Saturday. And I was out there, and I could hear them gobbling, and they sounded great. And I was using my mouth, call and I was calling to them, and they were coming in closer. And then I they started going away. And I'm like, what's going on? So I got up a little bit and tried to sneak in a little closer and call again. And eventually, I think I'm pretty sure I, I scared them all off. I, I just turned them out. I'm learning. And um, a buddy of mine, I've been texting them and talking to other friends. And one of the things I'm learning as I talk to them is there's a lot I don't know about turkey hunting and how different it is than deer hunting. And the only way I can get better, the only way I can grow is by admitting that I don't No, and there's things that I need to know and I need to receive and I need to put to work in the practice of this new hunting. And the same thing is true for you. You have to, by humility, say, maybe the way I've been doing life, maybe the way I think about certain issues is not right. A couple of the areas that right now are attacking... Our culture, and we see all around us that I think bring this into sharp focus that are areas of defiance and corruption where there's not that instruction that's taking place is the area of what marriage is and what gender identity is. Now, I don't say this to offend you if you're someone that you identify with a different gender, and I don't say this if you're someone who you have an alternative lifestyle. But here's the reality regarding God's word again it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what God says. And consistently throughout scripture, the Lord says marriage is between one man and one woman. In fact, it reflects the character and nature, not only of who he is, but it also reflects his relationship with the church. as Christ being you know, the groom and the church being the bride. So here's the reality. You have to come to a place where it's not what you feel. It's not what you think. It's not how you've been raised. It's not what the current culture is telling you. It's not that I like this person, so therefore I'm going to adapt what I think because I like them. You have to make a stand in your heart and your mind that God's word supersedes your thinking. And when you do that, God always shows up with instruction that helps you and I to grow. That's why it says rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Rebuking means to to show up and, and sometimes go, that's not right. It comes right into our face. Correction means that we receive correction from God and we receive correction from people that are spiritually ahead of us because they've been there and they know this is what God's word says and it's true and it's right. And what you look for is, are they alive? Do they have the breath of God, the spirit of God living in them? And so from the very beginning, though, people have always tried to rationalize scripture, do anything they can to explain it away. So the reality is, is we still do that, don't we? We still do that. Um, Jesus in Jesus' day, there was religious people that said, you know what, um, I know it says that Moses you know, that Moses said you can have a divorce, but what about this guy that was married to all these women, or this gal that was married to all these guys, uh, because they all kept dying. And they always looked for loopholes and ways to trap Jesus and the culture, or ways that they could get around the law. But the reality is, is that the very heart of God's Word, the very heart of it, is a desire for you to have the best living, which is based on the creation that God originally intended. And so you and I have to stop looking for loopholes and justification and using our intellect sometimes to come up with very creative ways to interpret scripture instead of just receiving scripture for what scripture says. These are two areas that should not be complicated for us. Marriage is one man and one woman. That's it. In A covenant relationship for a lifetime. That's God's intent. And the gender that you were born with is the gender God gave you. You are biologically male or you are biologically female. This is reality. And you know I need to receive this as truth. Stop looking for justification and just receive what God has simply said in his word. And when you begin to humbly receive that, you begin to see that life, life again. Not the life the way I want it, but the life that we got intended it. And, and this is God's intention for you and I, that we would hold the scriptures higher than our thinking and they would hold the scriptures higher than our feelings. And as you and I do that, abundant life comes as a part of that. As a reminder today for you and I, I think there's no better way to do that than to share the Lord's Supper. Jesus is the one that said he wanted to give us a reminder that everything should center around his thinking. In fact, the way that he lived and the way that he taught was carried to the apostles. and The apostles' teaching carried to us. And and Paul, in speaking of this, said on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Then he took the cup and he said, "Um, likewise, this is my blood poured out for you in this new covenant for the forgiveness or remission of your sin, drink in remembrance of of me. He said, each time you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. The Apostle Paul shares this in 1 Corinthians. And as he shares this with us, he says, I want to remind you to take a moment to make sure you're right. In other words, have you been receiving the breath of God consistently? And are you living in alignment with it? And if you're not, confess that back to him. Now, we did that a moment ago when we renewed our faith. And then he said, this symbol, this sacrament is for you going forward as the church. And as you do that, you'll remember what I've done and you'll recenter yourself. So again, it's another way to just receive the breath of God in this moment. So what I want to invite you to do is take some bread if you're at home and some juice and let's share that moment. And we're going to do this a little different. If you're with your family or you're alone, we're going to do this as a common cup and some bread. You can use some, some pita bread or some regular bread. And what we're going to do is we're going to thank the Lord for what he's done, and we're going to recenter ourselves. And so all you need is a loaf of bread or a piece of bread and some juice. We're going to drink out of the same cup, if you're as a family, or um, you'll just tear off one piece and then share that. If you're not comfortable with that, you can tear the bread and dip it in the cup and then share the two together if you don't want to share from a common cup. But let's do that. So if you would, take a piece of bread and tear it. This is Christ's body broken for you and I. Our Father, I thank you so much that you gave life through your death. That when your body was broken for us, you made a way that we might have fullness. Can we thank you for your body. And we remember what you've done. And we center our faith, not on our intellect or our feelings, but on what scripture says is true, that you died for us, amen. Jesus that same night was spending time with people who were very close to him that he'd shared his life with for three and a half years. He broke many of their traditions that evening in the Seder meal. And one of those was the order and the meaning, you know, the cups and the bread to bring us a new covenant. And he said, again, this is the blood of that new covenant, that my blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you grab that cup now? Father, thank you for the blood of Christ that he did not withhold his own life that his blood was literally shed and it was because of the shedding of his blood that we now have forgiveness of our sin, not only now, but in the future. Thank you. It's because of what he's done that we will spend eternity with him. And God, we look forward to the day when he will share the Lord's supper, this table with us in heaven. Thank you for your blood shed for us in Jesus name. God, thanks for the chance to share communion in a different way with our church family, those that maybe even are not members yet, but they're regular tenders. God, I pray that as they shared in your table today, that they literally sensed your breath quickening them and they became more alive because of what Christ has done for us and and us remembering what he's done. We know that at your Lord's table, when your people come together, around a confession of who you are, that you are in our midst. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So a different way of sharing the Lord's Supper, but I I wanted to do that with you. And so today, as you think about what we've talked about with the breath of God and these dynamics of God's word, um, my challenge for you today, this week, and even maybe this month, is would you please condition yourself for the race? Would you condition yourself for the race? Verse 17 says, of all that we've been talking about, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, or the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, either one, for every good work. And so the intention of of putting God's word above our thinking, above our feelings, even in this season with COVID-19, is that you and I might be fully equipped to every good work that God has for us. So um, in these next seven weeks, or these seven, eight weeks that we've been apart, uh, that we've not been able to be together, have you been doing that? Or is that something you gotta work on? How have you been with reading God's Word, doing your devotions, your prayer life, the rhythm that you need of placing God's Word above you. To help you with that, um, one of the things I want you to remind you of is we're going to give you a reading plan. We're going to start the book of James next Sunday, and I'll have a reading plan. It's going to be on the Facebook. It's going to be on, the, on our Facebook. It'll be an email. I'll get that out to you, and it'll also be on Version. If you and I are friends on Version, I'll share that, and we'll be, we'll be able to even see one another's comments. And we're going to work through, work through the book of James, for the next few weeks. And so I'll get that to you. Uh, Also remember that every day that you do your devotion, you're breathing in God's word. You're breathing in God's word. And then remember to exhale out the way that we think and the things that are so easily corrupting our nature. Remember, breathe it in and breathe out all the crap and the bad stuff. And just as a reminder, maybe as we end our time together, uh, that might be just make our time special, Um, I want to remind you that, that again, this this idea of breathing in God's word and breathing in the very breath of God, um, that God wants to breathe into who we are and quicken our bodies. It's not a new idea. It's sown throughout Scripture. Now, I want to read to you a passage out of Ezekiel that that shows this in such a cool way when Ezekiel was given a prophecy and a vision, and God wanted to show him that he could still breathe into Israel life. He said, the hand of the Lord is upon me, and he's brought me out by the Spirit of God of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, "O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. In just a moment, i pray for you, and in just a moment, the message will end. But right after the message, there's going to be a video that you'll play. And would you watch this worship video? Would you watch this song and just let it sit on your heart to show you what happens when we breathe in consistently God's word? How it changes us. Let me pray for you, and then as soon as I'm done praying, please hit pray. uh, Please hit play and pray. Please hit play and watch this video. God, for every person watching, thank you so much for your breath. God, I pray that it quickens us in this season, that it destroys the monotony and gives us a new rhythm. God, that you give us new ways of thinking, new ways of relating, new ways of doing things um, in our lives um, that honor you. God, breathe into us that we might be able to breathe out on other people. May the valley of dry bones through this pandemic receive the breath of God through God's people in this season. We thank you for how this will happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks a lot. Hit play and watch this video after the message. Have a great Sunday.